The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the Totally Useless Information Podcast with Nick and Roy. Listen, laugh, and learn. Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. Today on the show, we will talk about these topics. Yummy food. Wonderful science. Expressions. We will open up the mailbag. Maybe you will open up the mailbag, but I'm going to talk about some history. Listen, laugh, and learn with Season 3, Episode 9. Totally useless information. It's everything you never needed to know. The Totally Useless Information Podcast, hosted by Nick and Roy. Warning, this episode might include some useful information. Your weekly sweet and savory facts of totally useless information with Nick and Roy. Come and get it! So, here's something useful. And because you know, for listeners of this show, when there's something useful... We're going to talk about cucumbers. Cucumbers, if your bathroom fogs up... All the time after a hot shower, rub a cucumber slice along the mirror. It will eliminate the mist and provide a soothing spa-like fragrance. Good old cucumbers. And if you've written something in pen and made a mistake, the outside waxy coating of the cucumber can also be used to erase pen writing. If they don't get anything from this show, that in itself is amazing. Okay. Yes. And one other thing, I just realized this. Cucumbers can also erase the recording of this podcast. <laughs> Boy, they're good. <laughs> yes. Boy, you, you are good, cucumber. Okay. Spam is popular. It's, 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 it's a popular thing, spam. Have you ever had it? I, I get it in my email all the time. That's not a good thing. You're talking about the good thing about spam. Listen to me. Spam is, is the grossest crap that comes out of a can. It's probably the meat that fell out of the floor at the meat plant. And they just smash it all together in this ungodly gob of goo and fat, and they call it spam. It's like supposed to be some spiced ham. But there's no such thing as spiced ham that looks like this. This is ungodly stuff. But it's popular. Believe it or not, it's a popular Hawaiian treat. In Hawaii, what? they love spam. Who the hell knows why they eat it? But did you know that Spam also has a Spam Museum? No. Come on. Spam Museum. Now, you'd think maybe it'd be in Hawaii, being that the Hawaiians love this spammy treat. But no, 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 no. It's in Minnesota where Spam was created. Okay. <laughs> so if you're ever in Minnesota... You definitely don't want to miss the old Spam Museum. You know, because it's uh, a lot of Hawaiians like it, I wonder if you you know serve it with a slice of pineapple on the side. The pineapples for eating it. <laughs> That's right. Yes. <laughs> so if you look at uh, crackers, like soda crackers, you notice the little holes in them. 
And Nick, I live in Florida. I see crackers all the time. But go on. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but these crackers, you know, the saltines, otherwise known as saltines, okay? There's a purpose for those holes in the crackers. During the baking process, if the crackers have holes in them, which they usually do, it prevents air bubbles from ruining the crackers. So those holes are functional. The functional holes. Or have I heard that before? But anyway, let's are, go yes. on. The mushroom capital of the world. The mushroom. Once, one, one time, I had mushrooms in the Utah desert, but that's another whole story. <laughs> the mushroom capital of the world. Get ready. Pennsylvania. Now, what the hell is that about? It's bad enough Minnesota is the, the place of the Spam Museum. I, why right. would Pennsylvania be the mushroom capital of the world? Their slogan, their their slogan for Pennsylvania now is "fast women and fun guy." <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like to drink bottled water. Some people might, uh, you know, accuse me of being anti-environmentalist, but I love um, water, bottled water. And there's an expiration date on the bottles of water, and you're thinking, wait a minute. Does water really expire? No. Water doesn't expire, but the bottle that contains the water can expire. Plastic bottles will eventually start leaking these wonderful chemicals into the water. So it won't make the water harmful to drink, at least not right away, but it will taste a little less fresh. So don't worry. It's the expiration date is for the bottle, not the water. Mm, yeah, That's why I never drink water. I mean, who the hell wants to drink unfresh water? It's like, why don't you just ram your head into a toilet? Take a good gulp. Okay, next. <laughs> next. <laughs> I'm mad today. No. Next time you're dehydrated, don't go for a glass of water like Nick. <laughs> no, no, no. You know what you want to grab? You want to grab Nick's cucumber. <laughs> no. I beg your pardon? <laughs> Nick's been rubbing that cucumber all over his mirror in his bathroom. He's rubbing his cucumber yeah. all over the place. But Nick's yes. cucumber is 96% water. And if you'll notice, there's no expiration date slapped on the side of a cucumber. <laughs> no, there isn't. Oh, boy. You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Einstein was a moron. Roy is the master of scientific experiments, and let's see what he's got in his science bag today. Do you want to lose weight? I mean, who doesn't want to lose weight? If you want to lose weight, it's simple. If you weigh 200 pounds, I have a foolproof way to lose about 160 pounds of it in less than one week. It's this simple. Fly to the moon. Fly me to the oh. moon. Because the moon has 1% of the mass of the Earth. Its gravity is much, much less. So it's not basically how much you eat. Just blame it on the damn gravity. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. Yes, that's why everything sags. Blame it on gravity. This makes yes. Nick's cucumber sag. <laughs> I told you not to, to give away the trade secrets. 
Um, well, we'll stay in space. It takes eight minutes. Well, speaking of eight minutes and 19 seconds, what have you done in eight minutes and 19 seconds lately? I don't know. You put your cucumber, but go ahead. <laughs> it takes eight minutes and 19 seconds for light to travel from the sun to the earth. Okay. Oh, wow. In space, light travels at 300,000 kilometers per second or 186,000 miles per second. And even at, at that breakneck speed, covering 150 million odd kilometers, or as we know, 93 million miles between the sun and the earth, between us and the sun, it takes that much time, 8 minutes and 19 seconds. But at 8 minutes, it's still very little compared to the 5.5 hours it takes for light from the sun to reach Pluto. So remember my mushroom in Utah desert story? <laughs> I mean, it seems like such a long time ago. <laughs> yes, exactly. It was eight minutes and 19 seconds ago. Nick, it continues. It goes on, this story. Human DNA is also related to plants. In fact, trace human DNA, or better yet, trace vegetable DNA, can be found in the human body. And we match up to mushrooms. So we have trace DNA of oh. mushrooms, which means they do believe that we may have come from vegetables. Now, I have a few friends that are like vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> They're a bunch of bananas. Yeah. They listen to the show. Yes. I always wondered why my, one of my favorite pizza toppings is pepperoni and mushroom. Mm-hmm. A flea can accelerate faster than the space shuttle. So if you look if you have a dog and your and your dog probably has fleas, a jumping flea reaches dizzying heights of about eight centimeters or three inches in a millisecond. Acceleration is the change in speed of an object over time. You do the math and that's what it is, okay? Yes. So fleas experience one hundred G's while the space shuttle peaks at around five G's. The flea's secret is their stretchy, rubber-like protein, which allows it to store and release energy like a spring. Therefore, a flea can accelerate faster than the space shuttle. In the perfect world, (laughs) in proper perfect conditions, in the Antarctic, water Mm -hmm. can exist as all three states at once. A liquid, a solid, and a gas. Okay? Sounds like the night after I ate at that suspect Mexican restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, Antarctica (laughs) water can exist as all three. It can be dehydrated into the atmosphere as a gas, exist as a water and solid frozen ice at the same exact time, one of the few places in the world that that can happen. Can you do me a solid (laughs) and let out some gas? A laser can get trapped in water, yes. A cool thing called internal reflection, which is a lot of the times what we do here on the on Totally Uses Information with Nick and Roy, internal reflection. This internal reflection is applied when pointing a laser beam through a container of water. When light travels through water, it's slowed by the heavier particles of water. Therefore, the laser beam effectively gets trapped in the water. It's kind of blocked by the particles of the water cool better than them shooting a laser beam at your cucumber hey a lot of people have been uh, really enjoying our brand new email address it's useless at nickandroy.com that's useless 
at nickandroy.com. What's in the mailbag? What's in the mail? This letter comes from Jim from Dublin, California. Dear Nick and Roy, we really enjoy your podcasts. We laugh a lot and we learn so much that we try remembering as many facts as we can so I can repeat them. I am constantly in the doghouse. Every week, my wife summons me to the doghouse. Where did that expression came from? I want to know. Well, dear Jim, you know, as a, as a person who's been married uh, coming up in 19 years, my doghouse is fully furnished at this point. So the doghouse derives from the type of accommodation which was found on boats and trains. Both modes of transportation involved workers having to sleep in the less, um, less desirable dormitory-like accommodations. And if there wasn't enough space, they would have to create some by building some kennel-style huts, which were called doghouses. So if your significant other sends you to the doghouse, that's where it started from. So thanks very much, Jim for your email. So thanks once again. And if you have an email you'd like to send us, you want to ask us a question about anything on our show, something we've already done, or maybe you have a question yourself on useless information, this is where you go. Useless at nickandroy.com. What's in the mail? And now for something completely useless. Okay, not like our website, nickandroy.com, which is not completely useless. That's completely great. That's nickandroy.com. Guys, mm-hmm. hit onto that website. You'll see all kinds of fun stuff on there. Stuff about me and Nick, stuff about upcoming stuff like our birthday messages, which you guys got to see. It's awesome. Okay, one episode or two episodes ago, we spoke about um, something, and Nick said, the Bunsen burner, and he said, who invented the Bunsen burger? Bunsen burger. <laughs> there you go. Boy, am I hungry. No, so the Bunsen burner was invented 1855, Nick, by, yes, Dr. Robert Bunsen, a German chemist, chemist from Liechtenstein. <laughs> no, no, he actually wasn't <laughs> from Liechtenstein. No, he oh. was actually from Heidelberg. <laughs> Listen. Yeah, whenever you talk about German stuff, it sounds like you're constipated when you're trying to speak German. I'm mad because every time somebody talks about, like, Spanish things and South American stuff, they have to say, Latina, Latina. They have to say it like uh-huh. that. Why do you have to say it like that? So uh-huh. now every time I hear something German, I'm going to say, Liechtenstein on Heidelberg und Zenzewald. <laughs> so... Anyway, 1855, Nick, Dr. Robert Bunsen invented the Bunsen burner, and we try to leave, never leave our audience hanging. Well, that's pretty cool. See, I guessed it right, because I said maybe the Bunsen burner was named after some guy named Bunsen. Where expressions come from, we want to know right now. Totally useless information with Nick and Roy. I'm Nick. Nick, 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 hold your horses. Hold your horses. It's an expression. <laughs> okay. Hold your horses. Dates back to the Greeks. Homer used it in the Iliad. 
which by the way, I read. It's like 4,000 pages long and it's very confusing, but it's kind of cool. So it was it meant to keep the reins tight so that the horses didn't move and you stayed put. So saying hold the horses means stop. Think about what you're doing. Hold your horses. In contractual law, the term boilerplate language describes the parts of a contract that are considered standard. So where does the the expression boilerplate come from? The term dates back to the early 1900s. Printing plates of text that were going to be used over and over again, such as advertisements, started being stamped in steel instead of the much softer and less durable lead. So they came to be known as boilerplates because boilerplate originally referred to the rolled steel used to make boilers to heat water. So basically, this boilerplate has the same information that you're going to put time after time. You don't have to change it. And it got turned into an expression in contractual law, as I mentioned, boilerplate language. Well, don't turn turtle on me. Turn turtle. Old saying. And it means to flip on something. In the 1700s, the term came about. If a turtle turned over on his back, it was very hard for him to flip. But he would, he would just keep trying and trying and trying to flip himself back over so he didn't die. So it's, this expression is turn turtle. Beautiful. So sometimes, you know, before I go to bed, I like a nightcap. A nightcap. And uh, a nightcap is a drink taken shortly before bedtime. For example, a small alcoholic drink or a glass of warm milk. No, I'll, I'll stick with column A, an alcoholic drink, which can supposedly promote a good night's sleep. It may have originally arisen because a late night drink and the donning of a nightcap were both associated with preparing to go to bed. And so one became the other. A nightcap is when you want to have a drink before you go to bed. Notice how Nick said a small drink. Nick's small glass is like 32 ounces. <laughs> yeah, you know what I say to that? It's a cock and bull story. Cock and bull story. Oh. Ooh, where does that come from? 1600s, mm. guys. When guys would go to bars, they would lie about the weight of their prize bull and the size of their prize cock. I'll pause there. Okay. Back to the cucumber, are we? The show bigger is better. No, these were guys that would go and they'd tell like a fish story. How big was the fish? The fish is always bigger. It's the same thing. This is before fish story. This is the cock and bull story. Beautiful. I'm glad you explained it. Uh, a keynote address or keynote speaker. Back in the 1600s, a keynote referred to the first note and the basis of a musical key like C major. The concept of a keynote plays as well as a metaphor. The main idea of a speech or a text acts like a keynote sounded at the beginning, resolved to at the end, and setting the prevailing tone throughout. It's not until the following century in America when we see keynote applied to, meaning most familiar to everyone, to modern speakers, the keynote address, which sets out the central theme of a conference or convention and typically is the main speech of the affair. Guy says, uh, C major? And I said, yeah, look, a general. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There's no kernel of truth in that accusation. I've today's history. 
what happens tomorrow is history. Yeah! As we look back in time, a schoolmaster and amateur mathematician, William Shanks, lived from 1812 to 1882. He spent the greater part of his life working out the value of pi. As we know, the ratio of a circle's circumference to its diameter. He figured out the value of pi to 707 decimal places. Most of his lifetime, he figured this out. More than 60 years after his death in 1882, mathematician, mathematician, yes, he created magic. Yes, he made the numbers disappear. Uh, Mathematician D.F. Ferguson using a mechanical calculator, pointing out that, unfortunately, Mr. Shanks had got the last 180 of the decimal places wrong. How dare he? He got it all wrong. In 1958, an IBM computer did this whole calculation, which took a whole whole lifetime for Shanks. The IBM computer took only 40 seconds. Okay. The millionth digit of pi was found in 1973. And the billionth decimal place was discovered by 1995. Pi goes on and on and I like on and pie. on. I like cherry pie. Yeah. I like rhubarb. Wow. In 585 BC, before Christ, the Lydians and the Medes were at war in the Middle East. Can you imagine that? War in the Middle East? Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> during a battle, that was before Christ. It's been going on ever since. But during a battle... Of these two factions, they're out in the battlefield killing each other, and all of a sudden, in 5085 BC, a solar eclipse happens. It scares the men so much that they stop fighting and immediately sign a peace agreement. <laughs> of course, they had to wait for the sun to come back out so they could see where to sign, I guess, but you know, I mean. <laughs> Of course, it took eight, eight minutes and 19 seconds for, for them to see that the light. scared them so much, they thought it was a message, and they said, let's stop fighting because this is bad news. They should use that as a, as a peace mm-hmm. treaty. Fidel Castro, the great Cuban leader of many, many years, loved ice cream. So he made a giant ice cream shop called Capella, which was named after the ballet. And by the way, it's still functional. Castro had to make his own ice cream, and so he mixed two different breeds of cows to create a super cow that would stand up to heat and give out lots of milk. And her name was Ubre Blanca. I wonder if he's buried in dry ice. I'm not sure. Yeah. Anyway, Fidel Castro, one Sunday, yeah. he really let himself go. He finished off a good-sized lunch with, get this, 18 scoops of ice cream. This is after he ate a good-sized lunch, remember. Mm. Yeah, There's all different flavors down there in Cuba. His favorite flavor is Death to America. wow ancient gladiators were mostly all vegetarians their diets consisted of grains beans and dried fruit washed down with vinegar and a plant ash tonic okay no wonder these guys were out there killing people slicing their heads off they were pissed off they were like i gotta eat this crap I'm going to kill somebody. And that made them more fierce. Who the hell drinks vinegar with some stupid-ass ash tonic? Who the hell wants any ash in their mouth? 
I don't know, but you can bet your rational. I don't want to drink of that. <laughs> this is what I call Napoleon's member. After Napoleon Bonaparte's death, his priest and confessor, Vignali, allegedly cut off Napoleon's penis during the autopsy. He cut the penis off? Yes, of Napoleon. This was later sold as part of a collection and ended up in the possession of Dr. Abraham Rosenbach. Rosenbach? Rosenbach took... Rosenbach. Uh, Rosenbach took Napoleon's penis on tour. Get your tickets now. Oh. It was displayed on a small velvet cushion in New York's Museum of French Art. Now, this is not a very flattering, you know, old Napoleon, because not only is this true, but now the record shows that Napoleon's um, little Napoleon was just as famously small as the man himself. Oh. Maybe, I'm thinking, it suffered shrinkage after all of these years. Wow. What was his name? Napoleon Missing Apart? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Holy mackerel. So they cut off his penis and then displayed the little penis for everyone else to see. On a little velvet That's right. And they, put it on, they brought it on a tour. Would they give discounts to people named Richard? But anyway, Alexander Selkirk. A Scottish sailor was stranded on a deserted island. He survived for over four years, partly because he was using and training feral cats to protect him from ravenous rats that would attack at night and kill everything. He was discovered... And then he was asked how he survived, and he said it helped that the island was full of pussy cats. <laughs> That's all the time we have right now for this week's episode. Yeah, Can you people, believe how quickly it went? People learned a lot in this episode, Nick. They learned about Napoleon's penis. They learned about your cucumber dangling about. They learned about all kinds of interesting stuff. But don't you worry, we will scour the internet far and wide for more useless information for you guys next week. So in the meantime, you tell a friend about the trend and you go www.nickandroy.com. That's nickandroy.com. Share the show. Subscribe. We are so happy and we are all over the world now. And it's so it's so exciting for us that this show is doing so well. And we thank everyone. That's NickAndRoy.com. I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. Thanks for listening. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.